This week, we continue our series we're calling Away in a Manger. As we look at that special night all those years ago in Bethlehem and the different characters that were there. We've been making our way through the Luke 2 passage, and today we'll be picking up with verses 8 through 12. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to turn to those verses now. If you don't have a Bible with you but prefer that tangible feel of text in your hands, there should be a Bible in the back of the pew in front of you. However, if you prefer, the words will be on the screens besides me. Beside me. So far, as we have followed the passage, we've, we've looked at Joseph, the faithful yet forgotten. We've looked at the innkeeper who relegated Jesus to the manger instead of clearing out a room for him. And we examined how we too are guilty of not making the space for Christ in our lives, the space he deserves, the space his glory demands. This week we're going to be with the shepherds in the fields abiding, as the old hymn goes. What role do they play in the narrative? What can we learn from them? How do we relate to them? At this time, if you are able, I encourage you to stand for the reading. Again, that's Luke chapter 2, 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all that you have done, for all that you are doing, and we thank you for your word. And God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. One of my favorite things about the Christmas season is the movies. Now, I readily acknowledge that most of the films deemed Christmas movies don't actually proclaim the message of Jesus, the reason for the season, but I still enjoy a good laugh at Home Alone or getting a little fogged up by It's a Wonderful Life, just to name a few of our family's favorite Christmas movies. Now, I recognize that there's a lot of debate about what constitutes a Christmas movie, right? The most loudly divisive discussion I tend to see is whether or not Die Hard belongs in that category. Now, I'm going to leave that one up to you guys, right? I'm not here to settle that particular debate. But there is a set of movies I would never have considered Christmas movies that apparently are, according to my wife. At least, she wants to make sure that we watch them between the holidays of Thanksgiving and Christmas. And that's how the older boys, myself, and Karen all sat down and watched The Lord of the Rings a few weeks ago. I know. It doesn't make sense. But I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. Those movies are fantastic. Though, as I think pretty much every time I watch the films, what was Tolkien thinking? He has all of these amazing and awesome characters, elves, and and dwarves, and wizards, and kings, and rangers, and fantastic combatants, their skills with blade, and axe, and magic honed, their honor impregnable. And a mission has been given, 
Evil must be destroyed, and the ones chosen to bring the dark one to his knees, the ultimate villain who has been lying dormant and gathering his power over generations, the ones chosen to end all of the bad in the world are a couple of hobbits. Fat little dudes that enjoy a nice smoke, some tasty vittles, a good ale, and avoiding as much work as possible. They don't know how to fight. They don't even really leave their home, the Shire, all that often. Anyone who is deemed adventurous is an outsider amongst the Hobbit clans. Of all the people, all the races of Middle-earth, the Hobbits are the least likely to be sent on this mission with any hope of success. And yet, sent they are. I was thinking of Frodo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee as I was reading our text this morning. These shepherds are out in the fields, minding their own business. These are salt-of-the-earth people, the regular Joes of the ancient Middle East. They know their job. They do it well. They aren't upper class. They aren't in poverty, though, either. They're working guys trying to keep a roof over their heads, their families fed, and hopefully the Romans off their backs. It's not a glamorous life, but it's not a terrible one. And these dudes are chilling, man, keeping the wolves and bears and lions away from the sheep under their care when suddenly the whole sky lights up. Can you imagine? The stars come to life and start singing. These dudes are freaking out. They've never seen anything like this. They've never heard of anything like this. They don't know how to react. They don't know what's coming next. And then one of the stars, one of the angels says to them, do not be afraid. Okay, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then the whole sky lights up in song. As I sat in my office this week thinking about this message of the angel and wondering what was going through the minds of the shepherds, it was hard to not draw conclusions between Frodo, Sam, and the blue-collar workers just keeping their heads down, minding their own business in the fields around Bethlehem that night all those years ago. There had to be someone more qualified to receive this message, right? God could have sent the angels to kings. He could have sent them to generals, to, to people in power and authority. He could have sent them to people with influence, people with, with money, people who could make a, a tangible difference. He could have sent the angels to almost anyone else, but he sent them to the salt of the earth, shepherds minding their own business out in the fields. Feels like God could have chosen better. Doesn't really feel like this was the proper allocation of resources. Doesn't really feel like these guys were the worthy investment for this message, the message that the Savior has been born the message that the one who will one day end all suffering has come. The rock of ages, the defeater of death, Jesus Christ, son of God, hope of nations, he has come. Were the shepherds the right audience for this initial proclamation of hope? Were they the right ones to entrust this message to? Church, we are not Frodo Baggins and we are not standing out in the fields around Bethlehem, but we can relate to the characters in these stories, can't we? We haven't received a ring of power that needs to be destroyed, and angels haven't suddenly appeared to us in a great host with 
fantastic proclamations. We haven't been given or experienced those things. However, though not delivered by heavenly wings, we have been given a message similar to that of the shepherds, haven't we? In fact, we've been given the message of the shepherds. We just have a few more of the details laid out than they did. We've been given the message of hope to the world. We have been given the truth of Jesus. And whether we are comfortable with it or not, whether we are excited about it or not, we are, each and every one of us, called to join God on his mission. Scripture is clear that we are to spread the truth of Jesus, to share that gospel with the world, starting with our neighbor. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the logic cycle that we put the hobbits and the shepherds into, don't we? Why me? I'm not... The greatest communicator, I don't have a ton of friends or a lot of people that listen to me. I'm not an influencer, I don't have many followers on Instagram or TikTok. I'm more of a sit back and observe sort of person. I, I like to know what's going on, but I don't feel very overly obligated to share my views on the state of things. I'm not rich, I'm not powerful, I'm not the one that should be responsible for sharing the most important message the world has ever received. That's a misallocation of resources. I'm just not good enough. I'm just not worthy enough. Just let me smoke my pipe. Let me just enjoy a good meal and rest my weary feet. Just let me sit down with a nice stout drink and tend my sheep. Don't ask me to go out and join the battle to defeat the evil one. There are more qualified and much more capable people than me for something of that importance. And I'm just tired. It's the middle of the night. Can you turn the glow down just a little bit? Maybe keep the singing to a whisper. I'm not the one that you're looking for. Can anyone else relate to that line of thought? I know I can. Especially when I'm tired, when I'm worn out, when it's been a long day, when I'm emotional, when the kids are on my last nerve, when I'm overwhelmed by the suffering caused by living in this world broken by sin, when I just want to get away, when I wish my emotions would just stop when I want to turn my brain off so I can finally get some sleep. I'm well aware of my deficiencies as a husband, a father, a friend, a son, a brother, a neighbor, a coach, and whatever other hat has been thrown on my head at any given time. Calvary, I'm well aware that I have had many failures as your pastor. And as the failures mount up, as the guilt seeps in, as the recognition of how somebody else could do this so much better than I could, how could I be the one? How could we be the ones that have been given this message, that have been called to this mission? What is God doing? What is he thinking? What makes us worthy of the message that we have been given? What makes us worthy of receiving this proclamation of good news for us and for the rest of the world? Because that's what it is, right? This message has been given to us to share, but it is also message for us. And for all the reasons that we struggle to share it, we also struggle to see why we should be given that good news. We struggle to see why God would send his son for us. We're mess-ups, we're failures, we're examples of sunk cost and missed opportunities. We're sinners. We're sinners who have hurt God intentionally and unintentionally as we have worked for our benefits, followed the sinfulness in our own hearts, prioritizing our wants over the good and healthy, God-honoring instruction that we have been given by our Heavenly Father. We aren't worthy of the message. 
And we aren't worthy of what the message means for us. And if that's the realization that, like me, you find yourself in this morning, this week, this month, this year, I have great news for you. You have offended God with your sinfulness. You have hurt the heart of our Father, but do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Were the shepherds worthy? Are we worthy? No. But they were given the message not because of their worth, but because of God's great love. We do not earn God's favor. We can never be worthy of it. No matter how much money we have, how much power we have, how much influence we may possess, none of it affects God's love for us. His love that he has poured out so lavishly upon us, his love that he demonstrated that night all those years ago in the city of David, Bethlehem. That night when he kept his promise to send his son, the son who would grow up to be the savior of the world. The son who, though perfect, would be betrayed, denied, mocked, humiliated, and hung on a cross. But the Bible tells us that as the nails went through his hands and his feet, and as he was lifted up in his shame, that our sin was imputed to Christ, that that he took it. He didn't earn it, he didn't deserve it, but he took it. Every time that we've been unfaithful, every time that we have been lazy, every time that we have made excuses, given reasons for why we haven't followed him, every time we've pursued what we knew we're not supposed to, every time that we have proved that we are unworthy, Jesus took all of it. And there on the cross, he paid the price for it that we could. There on the cross, he paid the price that we could not. Could not pay that price. And he died for our sin. But he did not stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating sin and death. And when we believe in him, when we rest in the faith that we have been given, all the promises of God are ours. Through faith, we live in the fruits of forgiveness. Through faith, the dirty rags of our sins are taken from us. And we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees his son. Through faith, we are brought into the family of God and declared sons and daughters, heirs together with Christ. All of this through faith. This is the message of the angels. This is the message given to the shepherds. This is the message given to us. Yes, that we might share it. But chiefly, most importantly, that we might believe it. Again, sharing the message is important. We aren't there yet in the Luke text, but we'll see that the shepherds went to the manger and they saw Jesus and then they realized that they needed to go and and spread the word to share in Bethlehem what had happened. So what happened to their message? I don't bring this up as a discouragement. Please don't hear it as that. I, I don't think that the text is making that argument either, but we see the shepherds go and tell Bethlehem what happened, but we don't see Jesus raised in, in fame. We don't see crowds following him until they could get something out of him. Water to wine. Demons cast out. Food, health, wisdom, hope. The crowds didn't come because of the message of the angels, the message of the shepherds. So what happened? Why didn't people believe earlier? What was, why, why wasn't Jesus a child star? Why wasn't the message of the shepherds received and believed? You know, we don't know. 
Maybe it's because he fled to Egypt and people thought he had died. Like, we, we don't know. From what I can tell, Scripture is silent on what happens to the shepherds and their message. And hey, maybe it feels like our message falls on deaf ears as well. How awesome would it be if every time we shared the gospel, it was received with thankfulness and faith grew in the heart of the hearer? That's the hope. That's the dream. But ultimately, that is between God and the individual. I bring this up because I don't want you to feel discouraged when the message you share isn't received in the way that you hope it would be. We are given no guarantees. We are simply told that the word of God does not return void. It has an effect. But that effect is between God and the receiver. And I also share this because it's clear in our text that though the message was given to the shepherds to share, it was also given to the shepherds for them, for their lives. God is not just interested in who we think he should be interested in. He isn't concerned with the status that the world gives us. He made us. He loves us. God wants to be in relationship with us. Church, we have received the message because the message is for us. Yes, it is also for our neighbor. But church, never forget that the message is for you. When you doubt, for when you doubt your worth, when you struggle with the depths of the brokenness of this world, when you push forward but you fall, when you had good intentions that just fell short, when you're doing the best you can, but it's just not good enough, when you're exhausted, when you're overwhelmed, when you feel numb from the journey, when doubt sets in, when you fight sickness, when you watch those you love fight sickness, in these times of hurt, fear, and despair, when everything is dark and scary, may the night of your life be brightened by the message of the angels. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And know that message is for you. What a fantastic, gracious, merciful, and caring God we serve.